Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Exposure with me, your host, Brian Kelly. Today, my guest is Catherine Chaplow. She's someone who, over the last 14 years, has built one of the most successful and unique interior design firms in West Michigan that works in both residential and commercial design. In our conversation, she tells me why she never puts photos of her pancakes on Instagram, about how she's largely built her firm without creating a lifestyle brand around her personality and her social media streams. We also talk about how the runaway successes of programs on HGTV, shows on Netflix like uh, Marie Kondo, Marie Marie Kondo, uh, pose very specific challenges to designers today, and. Catherine is just somebody who's relentlessly positive. I think that's the best way for me to describe her. She's been a friend, a client, and I'm just always blown away by um, how she presents herself and how she carries herself. And if you're uh, looking to run a business, I don't know that there's a better way to approach uh, outwardly the, the community and uh, how she services her clients. I just think there's nobody who does it better than her. So I just want to do one little plug, and that is uh, just to mention, again, that this podcast is fueled by passion and Brian Kelly Photography and Film and Brian Kelly Productions. Uh, As always, if you are thinking about embarking on a photo or video project, please reach out to me. I love working with companies of all different sizes and all different budget ranges. I'd love to start a dialogue with you and see if we can collaborate on something together. All right, here we go. Catherine Chaplow and I in the studio chopping it up. Enjoy. It was just, I cringed. My kids, do do your kids use this word cringy? They use the word and they say it wrong. Awkward. They don't say awkward. Mm. They say, it's the W's hard. I can't even get awkward? it. Awkward? They say, it's not New York. It's like the most Michigan accent ever. And they're, ah, it's awkward. Oh, my kids say cringy. Cringy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if they had heard like me. My daughter Maddie's famous for this. Oh my gosh. That was so awkward. <laughs> and I, I mean, do you mean awkward? I'm always saying that to her. And she's like, shut up, Dad. She's a senior now. As she so should. I can't really. Just, that's, what, that's what they say. Yeah, I'm just around to be told to be quiet, basically. It's my, my role as a father. That's okay. Dad, that's enough. That, I hear that a lot. Dad, that's enough. Stop. Aww. I'm like, just trying to be me. You're like, you know, other people think I'm funny, kids. Yeah, exactly. I my, that a lot in, too. I'm killing in the 50 year old demo. You know, like that is my, those are my peeps. I realize you're 17. 50 and five. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They're the, the same mental problems, you know, that five-year-olds have. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Catherine Chaplow, for coming on. We've, uh, we just finished a photo shoot, right? We did. We've, sh- we've worked together a few times. I've documented a lot of your homes and projects. Beautifully. For probably 50. Like, when did you get started? How long have you been in your own practice now? Well, I always think of my eldest son, Calvin, who is turning 14, so 13 and a half years when he was six months old. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So about that time, I mean, we've worked together off and on over the years, and um, you had some of the most beautiful homes. But we've done also portrait shoots together. I've done shots of your staff and stuff. But do you, 
do you like being photographed? Like we just did a photo shoot. Is it something that you can enjoy the process or are you too wrapped up into your own head about like, oh, what am I looking like? It's not easy, but Brian, I do like it when you take my photograph because you make it fun, put me at ease, but in general, no. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard to find people, I think, who enjoy having their photograph. Do you find that a lot of people like to have their photo taken? No, nobody likes having their photo. Well, outside of a few people, of course, like professional talent or mo- like that's their job. And mm-hmm. so I don't even think of it as liking it or not liking it. They have a job and a role to play for that, whatever that project is. And it's my job to direct, whether it's photography or video, I'm going to try to elicit something out of them that I need for the client for the projection of everything. But in general, I often say I'm like a dentist. Like nobody really wants to have their photograph taken. So here, here's what I think, though, honestly. I yeah. think there's, a, there's a, a mental game going on because I think people would love to see a really good photo of themselves. It does feel nice when a good photographer captures a great photo of you. And, but but if there's some guilt that comes with that, a feeling... Yeah, you're not, especially in West Michigan, you're not supposed to go, damn, I look pretty good in that. Exactly, and yeah. so... We suppress to, all those good feelings about ourselves. You don't want to revel in the photo shoot. Yeah. You don't want to try to look great in the picture, because then you're like, who do I think I... What, what am I trying to be here? It's all that back-channel talking in your head? Yes. No, my biggest aha, and one of my leap, biggest leaps in my career is when I finally figured out that one people didn't like about the portraits I've made of them had nothing to do with me. They just carried all their baggage and insecurity to their, to their portrait and their own face and, you know, their chin they think is, isn't right. And, you know, they're too fat today and whatever. They don't like their hair. It's, it's a million things. And it's like, it's, uh, but when I could, uh, separate, I, of course I want my portraits to please people much Mm -hmm. like you want your, you want your clients thrilled with the designs that you do for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, once I figured out that it wasn't all with me being a bad photographer, then I could work through the psychology as opposed to being insecure of my process or my lighting style or whatever. So that was like a big moment where I was like, oh, okay, I do know what I'm doing. I just need to get people through the process of the psychology of having their portrait taken. So how do you do that? Like, how do you... How I'll do ask you... the questions, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is not the Catherine Chaplow interior design podcast. Although you should have one. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Everybody's different. So it's like, I think you have a good read, though, on people. It's like, I think that temperature taking that you get when you meet somebody, you, you have a quick read of what their mood is and mm-hmm. how much you can engage or on not engage with them on certain things. You know, some people just project they're funny or they have, they like to crack around and other people are very serious. Yes. So do you feel like you react to that sort of psychology with people when you first meet them? Clients, I'm speaking specifically to your practice now. Yes. So I'd say that, um, I'm a very responsive designer and so what our clients, what a client gives me is definitely necessary. Like, it's necessary to my process. So I'm jumping right in here. Yeah, I love it. Let's go. Um, I mean, I just think that's a really good question, like asking. It's because not, you're, not just picking, like, I, you're not just picking colors that coordinate. You're thinking about how people live their lives. 
Very and much And how so. they interact with space. And that's different for every family, every business that you work with, you know, whether it's yes. commercial or residential application. It's very personal. Yeah. It's very personal. And we work with people for a long time sometimes. And sometimes it's over years. Like we might work with a, one client over many projects over more than a decade. So you really get to know them. And you can design for them a little more intuitively. You can just know what they're going to like and how to steer them and how to yeah. design the process as much as the interior yeah. for them. But people who um, don't give me anything... Tough, right? I just get stuck. Yeah. I just get stuck. It's very hard without some... They got to lead you a little bit. Even in, like, the projects I do, mm-hmm. you know, I, I might be creating imagery of somebody that works at a corporation. Well, the whole brand of that corporation might play into the color palette I pick or their branding strategy. Like, there's a million questions I like to ask, which I, you ask a million questions, yes. too, and get people to think about things, you know, in terms of how they, can they articulate to you what they want. In yes. a very visual, it's hard to articulate visuals. But you have to draw that out of them. You have to draw out of them what their priorities are. Yeah. And you have to get their honest answer about what, how they live, honestly. Right. How do you live and, or how are you going what to use this What if it's a guy? Space? Is it just pretty much a recliner chair and a 85-inch television now these days? The bigger the television, the better. The man cave is a real <laughs> thing, isn't it? We do have a lot of, um, oh gosh, a lot of men do like big TVs. Well, yeah, we were just talking about streaming and Hulu and like there's so much content. Yeah, it's true. You just want to absorb it. What now that, you know, they're not that expensive. Remember when those TVs used to be like $8,000 and now they're, those same ones are like, you can see them at Costco for 300 bucks. I know. And people are just wheeling them out. Yeah, they are. They're like a line. It looks like it looks like there was an earthquake, and they're looting them. Like there's that many TVs going out of Costco all the time. Just or Walmart. wheel it out. Yeah, the kids can ride in a separate car. <laughs> Crates, yeah. just pallets of televisions. We design around a lot of televisions, around a lot of technology. It doesn't bother me. I think it's cool. Well, that can be, you know, that can be a gathering place. You know, a consistent gathering place. So your design. Yes. It's like a fireplace. (laughs) Except way more entertaining to look at, right? Yeah. ESPN. Yeah. We were just talking about that. We were. Um, So 14 years ago. Yes. You started Catherine Chapel Interior Design. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was just you at the time? It was. Because you have a staff of how many now? Three? Four? No, there are five of us total. Get out of here. So there are four other designers, yeah. Four other people who work. You titan in of industry. It's so much fun, and we have like a little tiny studio. It's I gotta like, say, your team is the best. Your thanks, Brian. Your whole staff are. They mirror you, though. I gotta give you a compliment because you are always so kind and warm. And there's times I'm thinking, Chaplow, are you putting me on? You can't be in a good <laughs> mood all the time. And I know this other side to you that just I love too. This could be like thank you a little. A little sarcastic and biting. Yes. But it's never mean. Never. But you know when you're not happy. Yeah. I think you have to... uh, That's intentional. Like, we talk about it in our team meetings. We... It's our motto to work with joy. And it's very intentional that this is not brain surgery. Right. That what we do is truly... um, 
<laughs> like how lucky. How, it's such a great career. It's such a great job to help yeah. people design space that they love or work in a space that's beautiful. I mean... Well, I would say that if I had to say what you do ooze many times is gratitude. Oh, thank you. You do. Like I, thank for, you. For, <laughs> for instance, I said, when you got here, I said, it was freezing today. It's like eight degrees yeah. and it's blowing hard wind and it's terrible outside. Dreadful. And it's March, whatever. It's probably, you know, it feels like the middle, it should be the middle of June, but we're in the midst of March. But, uh. I said, can I get you, because you're like, I'm cold. Oh, man, it's cold out there. I go, can I get you coffee, some tea? You're like, I'd like some hot water. Yeah, I can heat up some water for you. And I gave you a cup of water, and you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, it was so, like, you were so. Well, you didn't try to force, like, a coffee on me or a tea. You yeah. gave me my hot water. I'm. If you have simple needs, I have simple answers. It was really good, too. Thank you. Well, water is, it's Kentwood tap water out here. So oh. I don't know how many times, it's probably triple filtered, like an IPA or something. Perfect. Yeah. It tastes Smooth great. Smooth finish. I don't know. I've got it in my Are sink. Are you getting any notes after the water? Are there any like, what's dancing on your palate? Take a sip. Hmm. Yeah. It's a little bit of um, finish. You know that stuff you put in the dishwasher? The fi- Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Those are called uh, Tide Pods. Yeah. Everybody's eating them. They're it's so delicious. Good. It tastes great, actually. It's very good water. I'm going to compliment Kenwood. Yeah. I got the Meyer spring water, but I don't know. That's good. Um, okay. Well, take me back. So I want to know about this arc of your, your firm growing because okay. did you start... So uh, let's go back one, one other step because you really got started under Rock Kaufman, right? Well, yeah. Well, I, he was like the... That's the third place I worked. Okay. So I worked in Tennessee for a design firm in Nashville, and that was just an amazing experience. I interned there after I graduated from college and then got a job. So that was really cool, Um, special effects. And um, then we moved to Michigan, and I worked at Klingman Furniture. Yeah. And it seems like everybody worked at Klingman Furniture. Everybody did. All the designers. Rock worked there. Tyler worked there. Yeah. And then um, I got a job at Urban House. Yeah, because Rock went off and opened his own store. Yes. And then you left to go do interior design and retail sales there, right? Yes. And Rock was way ahead of the curve in Grand Rapids. He saw this cool urban space that was retail and design and was on this old brick road, you know, in downtown. And he was way ahead of what everyone else was, I think, ready for, ready to support in the community at the time. You yeah. know, right now, it seems like the perfect time for that, but that was... No, I know. Nobody was living downtown. There weren't condos and apartments, and it took... He was probably... Because I had a I had an art gallery across the street, and I used to see you all the time there. Yes. And you used to come over for free and, like, do a little shush in the windows and so candles great. and stuff. I loved it in there. You always had... Yeah, it was a very cool space. No one wanted to buy photography as art. I bought some. Well, you did. <laughs> it was gorgeous. At a discount, but whatever. <laughs> You're not full retail. I was promoting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to pay back for all the candles you bought me. It was great. But, um, no, but anyway, that part of downtown was just coming on board. There was just the restaurant and culture and the arena and all that other stuff. So yes, that was a long time ago. But uh, anyway, so the 
downtown has progressed. So you work with Rock for a while, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have a kid, and you're like, I, I think I can do this now on my own? I just decided very spontaneously I was actually going to come back to work part-time after having Calvin, and um, the day he arrived, I called Chris. I mean, I didn't even know I was going Chris to go Chris is your husband. Chris yeah. is my husband. Yeah. And I was due like a week later, and... I called Chris and I said, I, I really think I need to bring everything home. Like all my files, just all of my um, my design books, all of my stuff. Yeah. I think I need to bring it home so that I can work from home for a while. And I've got to do it today, right now. You need to nest after nesting, right? So he came. You were work nesting. I was work nesting, yeah. but I just felt like compelled to get everything out of my desk, all my sure. pens and pencils. So he came and helped me. We filled up our cars and moved everything home and then I went into labor that night <laughs> so it was just like this kind of I don't know that happens to you when there's this force kind of took over and yeah, I things st- are meant to be and you're being pulled outside of you know things you have an inkling and then something else just like will pull you in a way that is at a speed that you're not consciously moving mentally you know yes exactly like there's something else happening yeah and then and I'm still very close with Rock and with Marion, who was his partner in that business. Yeah. I still do a lot of business with her, and it was such a good experience. But that was just the time. I was ready to um, embark, like to start my own company. And Do you mind me asking how mm-hmm. old you were at that point? Do you, were you in your late 20s or early 30s? I have no idea. Uh, this is a, uh, how embarrassing that I don't even know. Well, uh, no, I was to, over 30. I'm not 30. reverse engineering your age because you you're, ti- you're ageless to me. I was mid-30s, 35. Okay. Um, no, younger, I'm thinking. Gosh, Brian. It's not, no one's going to audit your answer. I was okay. over a th- ballpark at 40. over a thirty and under thirty five. Okay, perfect. Do most people know that? Is that something I should know? Um, your age? Yeah, you might be able to say <laughs> um, I'm this old now, and, and Calvin is so and so old. I was thirty three. Okay, thank you. There we go. We got there. <laughs> we made it. You were thirty three, but yeah. uh, like that's not to me. If you just said I'm going to put this on a dry erase board, charting out a business for myself. You leave a pretty successful design practice underneath rock, mm-hmm. and now you have a kid, and we all know how hard those are to manage mm-hmm. and nurture. Yes. And you're like, I, I'll just start my own firm right now. So on paper, it seems to me like that's just stress town. You know, first mm-hmm. kid and then starting and launching a business. Well, going back to work with stress town, I think. I think I realized somehow that not going back to work, but leaving, leaving my house I started my business in my house. So I had a really dear friend and client who said, if you are going to start your own company and you're going to work out of your house, you need, because I have, we don't have any family here. In yeah, Michigan. yeah, and you're from Nashville. Huh? Yes. Yeah, so, I... so we didn't have any grandparents here. She was like, you need to find a really great person who can help you, you know, a, yeah. a nanny, basically, right. someone who can come every day and, and help you when you're working and... If you find somebody who's really great and wonderful with your kids, just hang on to them, and, and you'll be able to do this. Right. Like, that was the piece of advice that just really stuck with me, and I figured I'd figure out the rest of it. And so I started working, like, two days a week, you know, and I would have a babysitter come in who became eventually our nanny. Right. And she was such a, a huge part of our lives 
you know, and it was in our house. We were all in our house. So I was downstairs or I was in an adjacent room and I would work on my computer or I would leave for an appointment and she would be there with Calvin and I would come back home. And this was for years. Yeah. That's, I had Oliver three years later. And so both my kids, I grew up with my business in the house. Yeah. And so that to me felt Which better. Sounds great and terrible at the same time. Cause when do you have time to think and well, you had the nanny, so you could create some space around your day because you weren't you weren't changing every you know diaper, or, you know whatever. Correct. I'm sure it was great to check in with them, and you're in the vicinity, and you can love them when you need to, and then also go work and close the door, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that really was the key for me was having that just guilt free um, space where I could close the door and get work done and be on the phone or be on the computer. And I could literally hear their footprints upstairs. You know, I could hear the little potty scooting across the (laughs) bathroom floor, like right over my head, you know? So it was stuff like that, that I was able to be there for and not miss Mm -hmm. and still slowly build my company. Yeah. So you had the family unit sort of taken care of. So what were the next sort of building blocks is blocks to your, you know, your business growth and mm-hmm. that, you know, at some point you needed to have a, um, you know, additional help. Yes. And you needed to, you know, it was it mostly residential clients at the time? Mostly residential. Um, yes. And I've always worked on, after working with Rock, I started working on large new construction projects. Oh, cool. So we're, Large like how? It can be anywhere from... Um, are you talking residential or commercial? Residential. Re- yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. So these are, you know... Yeah, large homes. We're talking 5,000 square foot plus. plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're working on that project for months, yeah. for sometimes 18 months, because you'll work on the plans with the architect, and then you work on specifications, and then you, you're working on drawings, and then you're getting everything in, and you're visiting the job site every week, and, yeah. and then you're installing. That's the other thing I'm impressed. Just as a side note, I don't mean to derail you, but That's okay. how much time you spend out of your office with client meetings, site visits, sourcing materials, like you're very much on the go every day, right? Yes. All over town, yes. all over the state. Yes. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. I love it. When, yeah. <laughs> I love travel too. Like I, I feel, part of me feels bad about being away from Kathy and the kids, but you know, it's also like what I love to do. And I'm also, I've tried to learn to be not feel not guilty if I'm literally working out of town and I might be in a great location, but it's like, no, this is my work brought me to this place and I'll enjoy what I can Mm -hmm. as being a guy on the road, but, um, meaning the locations and the food and God knows I love food. So food's good, (laughs) but yeah, anyway, so you're building the blocks and working on big construction projects, big residential homes. Yeah. And what, when I, when I say I love it, I mean, I just love how diverse it is and how rich it is and how much there is to do. So, like, in a day, I'm never bored. Every day is different. And that's what I think even when... I mean, I designed my company around being a mom. Yeah. So, I mean, at some point, you can't do it all. No, you can't. You cannot, not without going and driving yourself crazy. With guilt or whatever, because I think you have to create, you've created, I think, and Kathy has in her own way in our house, creating some type of balance where you can feed your, your professional aspirations and, and, but more important than that is your family aspirations. So I think 
But at yes. least from the outside looking in, you seem, you know, you, I know there's always bad days, but you seem to have it pretty licked. Well, you know, aren't we all just trying to do that? And I, I feel as if it's, um, I, I, oh gosh, this could go in so many directions, Brian. <laughs> Let's pull up Google Maps. Where are we going? I just think about like, you know, as a designer, as an interior designer, you know, in this day and age, looking at other interior designers and seeing what you see projected out there sometimes. How projected? What do you mean? Who's um, projecting? You know, you, you look on television. I don't watch a lot of these design shows. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be good because we've had little, we were uh, at a mutual client's uh, opening um, in town, a commercial space, mm-hmm. medical space. Mm-hmm. And we got off on this amazing little side tangent. And some of it was about these shows. So let's talk about mm-hmm. what is projected in terms of uh, interior design now online. I'll let you take it. So I didn't... No, that's okay. I just want to set the stage. Yeah, you're setting the stage very well. And and I I also want to just mention that it relates to what we were talking about, which is how I built my company and how I hired people and how it grew and how I moved out of the house eventually, right? So all of those things happen. But I think what happens when you are an aspiring professional anything is you look for other examples. You know, you're looking, um, you're studying you are looking at other people who are successful around you. And, of course, we have all of these social media platforms now. Yeah. Like um, Instagram and Facebook. And there's House, which is, you know, a platform for interiors and houses. And then you look at things like... Um, Pinterest. Yeah, Pinterest or, or HGTV. And so you just said, well, from I the... I think al- my daughters were probably, you know, their first smartphone, which showed 12 or 13, one of the first things they wanted was a Pinterest page. And I'm going back like six, seven, eight years, you know, it's like... And it's still a thing. Pinning, pinning like crazy. And not, maybe not so much anymore, but I think it, it takes a while to trickle up to adults and the demographics that you're working with. And then we kill with. it. And then we kill it for the kids. <laughs> we do. It's awesome. Can't have that anymore, kid. We just took it over. Right. The kids are like, this is so cool. And then the mom is going, I know, check mine out. Oh, that's over now. Exactly. But so so I think like as a... So what's getting projected? Sorry. No, that's okay. I just think what I saw and in my and what I imagine other young aspiring designers who want to start their own company seeing is women and men, whomever, mothers, who they think are just doing it all. And, you know, hitting home runs. Oh, that narrative. I'm so sorry. That's a, I'm a bad host. I didn't see where you were going. I took it in a different direction. But you're right. It all relates, though, no, Brian. it does. It and all everybody relates. Sees, I, look, I follow mostly people in my industry and photography on Instagram. And they're all photographers I admire and video companies and other stuff. And then when you see this, and they're all over the country and many times globally, it feels like I'm not doing anything substantial. Yeah, it it feels like, and if I wanted to project a lifestyle um, specifically, if I wanted to intertwine my personal life and my design life and hire someone to help me brand all of that and put it out on social media, you know, a lot of designers can do that and do it beautifully and are very successful and they sell the whole package. They sell themselves. Yeah. And but I feel as if it's 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 really hard to get past that when you are building a company, unless you can somehow. Just um, like for me, building my company was not about, um, gosh, I don't know how to put this. I, I just wanted to build a company where I could be a good mom and do a really killer job. 
And I wanted to build a company where other people could come and be a really good parent and do a really great job. Yeah. Like that highly motivates me. I'm yeah. highly motivated by creating a place where um, like what we're doing is, is really strong work and it's really creative, but um, you know, we all understand where our priorities lie. And honestly, people work harder. You work harder and you're more focused when at the end of the day, like I want to get home. Right. I want to get home, you know? Mm-hmm. So I come to work and I work hard and I do a great job and I get it done right and I'm really proud of my work and then I, I, go, I go home and, you know, I try to like cook something. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, my house is imperfect and yeah, everything... It's a beautiful, authentic mess. Yes, yes. And I think that that is one of the things that in our side, what you were talking about in our, our kind of side conversation that we had not long ago was just about like projections and what people see and what they think they're supposed to be. Yeah. I feel as if everybody's branding themselves now, like as a person, not just as a company. Yeah. Not just as a service. It's really like you want the, you want the Catherine Chapel experience, which you're saying, you know, if people get that through our, the strength of our design and our team and our completion of projects and, just overall set that's one thing mm-hmm. but you're not wrapping in the whole lifestyle and the perfect you know i don't you're like not it. making the the perfectly shaped mickey mouse pancakes in the morning and instagramming those you know that's a whole nother extra level yeah and you know what i do make some pretty cool pancakes but i don't put them on instagram right because i also feel like it's just it's i make the pancake and then you know who knows the cat's barfing in the corner i mean it's you know there there are just those yeah you can just, it's the filter culture that we live in, and it's a really dangerous place for me. I do not like that lifestyle angle because I just think it's so unreal. And you set yourself up. You just set yourself up. Right, yeah. You know, and, and you give other people very unrealistic aspirations, I think. Yeah, Maybe I think- I'm just like the one chick who can't pull it all off. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they are all that successful and <laughs> you just don't have it together. That Yeah, that's a definite like, a undercurrent. And when I see things of certain people uh, projecting in my industry, it's like, how are you doing all this? Yeah. And the truth is they're not. We're all... Look, going back to my portraits, you know, and people not liking some things, but you know, we're all kind of a mess underneath. Well, nobody has it all together. Some days are great, and some days you yes. are a big fat. This was a horrible. <laughs> like I fell down on this one today. This is bad. Yeah. But I think that that is so good to let yourself have that. I don't know, like you know, the the potty training years yeah. of potty training in my house, and my assistant who I did hire, yeah. and who came to my house every day. And parked in my, you know, single lane driveway and we yeah. would jockey the cars around and, you know, and I was going upstairs and ch- changing diapers when I could and I was blowing noses when I needed to, you know, yeah. and all of that, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, you've grown out, your kids are older, they don't need that level of care and you have a larger staff now. Yes. Like, I mean, they still, obviously, they need care. It's just like, it's not that immediately urgent sort of taxing parenthood that, no. you know, they're, they're great. Your, your boys are beautiful and they're great kids. Thanks. But I just get ramen at Costco. Now. I know. Yeah. Along with, what were we talking about Costco? 
TVs. TVs. <laughs> you get them ramen and you park them in front of the Costco TV in your house. It's done. It's it's a hundred and eighty inch screen TV. Yes. Yes. Perfect. But how? So you know now a staff of five underneath you, right? I'm the fifth. You're one. the fifth. So mm-hmm. you have four. Mm-hmm. So how? Um, I don't want to get too much of the weeds, but I'm very uh, interested in how you, um, how each of those people work underneath you. Okay. Do they, do they have each of their own sort of tasks or their own design projects underneath you? Or are they all sort of in service? I don't mean that in a bad way, mm-hmm. but just in service to your vision? Or how are you sort They're of They're not delegating? all underlings, Brian. <laughs> no, I know they are. That's why I'm interested <laughs> in knowing, because you, you give them a lot of autonomy. And freedom. No, they're they're really amazing. So we have a group of four, and um, Kendra, Melissa, Rachel, and Elizabeth. And Rachel and Elizabeth are both interior designers. Yeah. And Elizabeth um, works sometimes in tandem with me on projects, and other times she's leading, and Rachel works with her. Perfect. And so um, Rachel is a more recent graduate, and so it's a perfect mm-hmm. kind of uh, system for us. And... With um, Melissa and Kendra, they are both, like, they strongly support projects from an um, organizational coordination oversight. Yeah. So they're looking at everything from the business, the books, to um, the finances from a, a an estimating billing Yeah. Because that's one of my challenges. I can't always do everything, and I have to have help, and you just can't be... There's a lot of blind spots, especially when it's a, a, a visual client-centered service industry. That's gonna you just can't you just can't always worry about like did we invoice for that like no. thirty days ago and why you know I mean you can get it, it can kill you sometimes for cash flow. And I don't even know how I did it before. You know, I used to do all of that, and now I can't. I don't even know how it works. Right. You know, I mean, I do know how it works. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But I, I don't, I couldn't do the job. Right. And, and I feel sort of like um, I've been really fortunate to find these people who I trust and who do a much better job than I can do yeah. at it. But we always work as a team on our projects. So there's a lot of exchange and there's a lot of camaraderie. It's not like we have these people who are siloed over here. Everybody studied design. Yeah. And this is kind of how they naturally evolved into their roles. This is what they all really like. You know. And yeah, was it hard to try to foster that, or did it just seem? Did it just re- each of those staff, you know, your your key peeps, they just it just revealed themselves to like their natural talents? Are you you know? It was pretty hard? intentional. Yeah, it was a lot of conversation actually. So like with Melissa, who I hired first, we uh, I at one point said to her, I want you to take on a project on your own and design this and and see how you like it. Because she was always supporting me, always supporting me, always supporting me. And she was so good and so talented, very, very organized and thorough. And I was like, just try this out on your own. And she did, and the client was thrilled, and it was a very positive experience. But she was like, yeah, I I think I want to do this project management piece. Oh, cool. And you're like, sweet, because that's an element a lot of people don't want to do, I would imagine. like It couldn't have been better. Yeah. It was perfect. It was perfect, because then we knew. We knew it wasn't like I was holding her back, or the company yeah. wasn't structured in a in a in a way that would foster her to grow. It was really like, let's try this, and she's like, no, 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 this is really what I want to do. Yeah, and it was, that's kind of how it's been with everyone. So I check in, we have conversations as a group, 
We talk about where everybody fits and what do you want to do? I mean, why not? Yeah. We're small and we can make sure people are doing what they want to do. There's enough to do to make every day different, you know, for Mm -hmm. everybody. Because I think, you know, you're a busy, bustling firm. But And to me, on one hand, to have four people working with you professionally full-time all the time means to me in my world that's a pretty big practice on on some scale mm-hmm. but you're also small and nimble enough that you know so and so can you please run and pick up these things because I just got buried with another blah 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 yeah so you know it's it's flexible yeah it's flexible. it is but um all right so I'm really interested in your design aesthetic because I want to know a couple things. One is, when did you feel like you, like the 10,000 hours idea, mm-hmm. when you really started to have a voice as a designer and you can divorce yourself from the ego and, and sort of the, you know. Don't get hung wh- up. Yeah. Get hung, but yeah. when did you really feel like I am a good designer and I have my own voice as a designer right. and a palette that you, like, how long did that take? And where was, did you have a moment where you're like, I'm really capable at this. And I think it's okay. I, I think as creatives, I, I tend to push some of that down and mm-hmm. golly gee, oh, shucks. But right. in the last few years, especially, I'm trying to allow myself to say, these are my strengths and these are things I, it's okay to say, yes. I'm, I'm really good at this. Feel like a boss. Yeah. At least like competent. And, but with your own voice. So that's what in the, in the mm-hmm. creative world, people come to you for a certain aesthetic, you know, you're going to get something. Mm-hmm. I think they come to us too, like for our service, our level of service. So it's not just the look. I think a big part of it is like, um, the experience and, and that is really driven by experience. So your question is a really good one. I mean, I, I feel as if a lot of that came with age. Part of it was just experience and owning my business. Because when you own your business, you are the boss. Yeah. So you you aren't looking for anybody else's approval. You are just delivering to your client. And when, um, I think after a certain age, it, that came to me too, Brian, like just in general. Like personally, yeah. I just started to feel like uh, my opinion had a certain weight to it yeah. that I didn't maybe value before. And I started to see myself like almost from overhead in the room. Yes. <laughs> this is a really good thing because I think it's so important. I think of people that are attuned to what we talked about originally, like you're able to really receive sort of this energy from people and sort of understand kind of where their mindset is at. Mm -hmm. I think also there's sort of this detached thing where you can see yourself almost in a third person kind of moment when you need to. Yes. And that's a, that's a skill I don't think a lot of, they're not self-aware in a way that they're channeling sort of back and forth this, um, youth younger, or yeah, youth, less it might experienced. be youth, but it's like more in confidence. But I think uh, over the years, if you're able to like kind of see yourself in in situations, uh, even pre-visualizing like a big client pitch or mm-hmm. something, that's really useful over time. I think with age to go, you just kind of own that. You mm-hmm. know, like you have that confidence because you 
you really aren't insecure about how you're presenting yourself because you've sort of seen yourself in that world, you know? Yeah, and I think sometimes it's pulling off something you didn't weren't sure you could do yeah. also. Like when you put yourself in a situation or you get an opportunity to do something that is really going to stretch you and you're a little insecure yeah. and you really bring it and then you pull it off, that is a huge confidence builder. Getting back to our sidebar conversation, I, I, uh, at a client's, we got off on a really interesting track about the trend in shows and interior design, and mm -hmm. it's an exploding thing with Netflix and all that. So mm -hmm. tee mm -hmm. up kind of, uh, there's varying opinions because there's a yin, yin and a yang to it. So mm -hmm. how does that pose challenges when everyone has a Pinterest? They've all watched Maria, Marie Kondo, what's her name? Marie Kondo. Yeah. And whatever the uh you know makeover shows that are right. my kids love them they Endless. watch them all the time. yeah but what kind of challenges does that present for you well <laughs> <laughs> we can be candid i don't think it nothing needs to be like some don't. of it's good and bad i used the term earlier in our photo shoot some aspects of design are sort of like McDonald. I said McDonald eyes. That was a great. I love that you said that. That yeah. was such a clever analogy. Yeah. And I eat at McDonald's. So if they want to still sponsor this podcast, I love McDonald's. But the point is, it's for everyone, and everyone kind of can have access to a certain level of that sort of thing. So, or design, or yes. there's a certain way to think about hamburgers versus like, oh, this is how a kitchen should look, or this is how uh, you should orient a room. You know, I don't know. Right. What do you no. think? You take it. No, I love, I love that you used McDonald's and that you just said it's accessible to everybody. So that, that's the thing that's really great about how much exposure design in general gets now. Um, it's so accessible. I think, I think about when I was growing up and I think about people lamenting about how other countries had better design than us. Europe specifically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, wh wherever. Yeah. You know, people would just, well, it's so much cooler here or there. or And you, you just felt like you were missing something being in Hendersonville, Tennessee. You know, you're yeah. like, I know the service merchandise catalog is going to have what I need to make my room smoking hot, you know. Right. But it, it was like, I feel as if now it's all so accessible. You can go onto Pinterest and you can watch... Um, a show that's walking in Paris live. Right. There is some editor who is sitting there with their phone streaming it. Right. So there's no excuse anymore, right? We, we all have a, this accessibility to everything immediately. So our design awareness is heightened. Things look better. You mentioned McDonald's. I mean, go into McDonald's. Go into Wendy's and look at how they're designing their spaces now. Oh, it's miles away and they've you know they're using color and mood and texture to to create a, an aesthetic and a, a, a play a how you they're intentional about how they want their customer bases to feel and that's driven by interior designers and interior architects yes so people are valuing design they see yeah. the value in design the way they may not have in the past which is huge because it brings value to what we do right um but, but there's, the challenge of that is what? So the challenge is that the accessibility also means that everyone is seeing the exact same stuff at the exact same moment. And so you have 
an illusion. People have an illusion that what they're seeing is unique and it's cutting edge because they're watching it live. Yeah. But so are all these other people. Millions of, you know, it's like when people bring us um, images from Pinterest and House. This is what we were talking about, yeah. you and I, um, on this project we were working on together. It, it is really helpful because you get insight into what they like. We, designers have always asked for inspiration images. You know, sure. cut them out of a magazine, bring yeah. me a book, bring me photos of places you've traveled, whatever it is. You know, designers like to get a little picture and some insight into what their clients like. With Pinterest and Hows and those kinds of platforms, Instagram, what we see is that, I mean, I could meet with three clients within a span of three weeks and they could all bring me the exact same images. Yeah. And they have no idea. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, right. I've already seen this yeah. three other times. Well, and with, with technology, too, it's like the algorithms can all be, you know, if you're searching for, um, you know, kitchen tile, you know, some of the more popular imagery and the clicks on those are going to perpetuate that same imagery coming up. So there's a technology internet sort of problem. But mm -hmm. I think what you're saying to me, I think, in, a, in one way is that... Uh, it's hard to find a voice as a designer, like to to then. What if your your view is like quite different for what you want for that space, and you have to then reacclimate the client towards yes, a two things. things. Yeah. Two things. So there's one thing is that designers can fall into the exact same trap as the consumer. Yeah. So designers wind up regurgitating the exact same ideas. One because. You know, it's like a fire hose of these trends. So they're just inundated with it. Right. And and their clients are asking for it. So yeah. designers fall into that trap. And the second thing is that then if you can't show your client evidence of your idea, sometimes they don't even want to do it. Right. They want evidence. They want to know that it will work. And if they can't find that someone else has yeah. done it, sometimes they they're like, I, the I can't find that. They don't want to be the nail sticking out that everyone goes, oh, oh what happened there like what that you know they want yeah so I what am. does that do to originality it really yeah. tampers originality even the things that you think are original there are some really cool original interior designers out there and all kinds of artists fashion designers whomever but then they get so overexposed or an idea feels original and cool and I get excited about it and yeah. then it gets so overexposed it's over it's the kiss of death yeah well what I really admire about your designs over the years I've been in many many of the homes you've designed for clients and there is there is a thread through it all that I I can probably without even knowing uh, if you designed the home or not if I'd never been in it I'd probably go oh I think I think Catherine designed this and there's a certain palette that's very different. You use a lot of shapes and textures that are not down that beaten path. Like there are a lot of like bold things that you guys do that I think on paper, if you were to show me mm -hmm. a wallpaper sample or a carpet sample, and I'm like, I don't know how this would all come together. And that's another challenge designers have is like, trust me, when we get this up on the wall, you know, it's yes. going to be great. But you guys really have a distinctive visual voice and aesthetic that's consistent time and time again. It's all Thanks. different. You know, they're all 
unique. It's not cookie cutter. You're not doing the same things over and over again. That's not what I'm saying. It's just like mm-hmm. just the how you layer palettes of color and texture and Thanks. is really really interesting to see because I think it's like any other painter or somebody who really has you know, may push the boundaries of things, but you know that that's their work. Mm-hmm. It's like a voice. You can recognize it. I think you said a really key word, though, which was um, that I can't remember what sentence you said, but you used the word trust. And that's, I think, at the heart, honestly, of a good design mm-hmm. is having the trust of your client. Like you taking my photograph, you know. Yeah, you trust. You have to trust me to that I'm going to interpret those designs in a way that you're going to yeah. like. I can't question you over and over again. Well, should I be doing this, Brian? Shouldn't I be doing this? I have to let you direct and let you say, I think you should do this. And could you please, you know, th- those that trust is what gives you the best result. And, I mean, it's, it is it, it is challenging if you don't have... Well, let's talk about this because yeah. I think it's related and this might articulate the issue a little bit better is that there's no reason to hire you, Catherine Chapel, interior design and, and your body of work if you want what you saw Chip and Johanna put, put out in three of their houses. You know, like you, yes. you're not going to duplicate that. No. So when people are shopping in a sense or searching for the right fit as an interior designer, they have to look at your body of work, the photographs me and other photographers have taken of your work to say, this is, this is, this is us. This is what we do. And if you don't like, don't make us go do something that's sort of outside of this because yes, that's where it all falls down. And that's when you can't, you know, I, I'm sure you've had to say no to projects sometimes because it just aren't aesthetically what you do and you feel like you're just shoehorning mm-hmm. something into a project and that's no fun. I've really enjoyed working on traditional, like really traditional projects lately because I feel as if there's an originality somehow in some of those old, old... What do you old, mean by traditional projects? I mean like houses that just feel like they're old. They don't have trends in them. You know, I like to do things that are exciting and feel fashion forward and have an aesthetic that is current. But um, sometimes it's really cool when you have a client who is not tapped into that at all. Right. They're just not. They're not, you know, we work with one client in particular who just doesn't ever look at that stuff. Not at all. Yeah. And if I tell her I saw something at an estate sale, you know, we were talking about how to store um, tablecloths. And I was like, well, I was at this estate sale, and the, the little old lady who owned the house, this is how she designed her linen closet. And she, you know, this client lit up. That's what I want to know. That's what she wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that I, I think is so, this is another conversation you and I have talked about. There's like this kind of missing or this ebbing element of like craft and um, things that get passed down. Narrow, very narrow, excellent expertise in this sort of hand, like... And tradition. You with, yeah, you work with, you know, textile makers. You work that might be able to still do custom things with carpenters that can do amazing mantles and, and you know, woodwork and yeah. all, all that. And those are, these are disappearing more and more. 
Yes. And you really lament that. Like that's, and you're some of the most fascinating people that I think that you've talked to me about are like, I just, just talking to the guy that's laying bricks at this house. Yes. And he's this Mason and he has all these ideas about brick and, you know. Like yeah. He's fourth a generation. Yeah. Fourth generation. I get like a physical, um, I don't know how to explain it. I get super pumped up when we talk about stuff like this because yeah. I feel as if that is what I probably love the most about this work is working with people who are like, they hold some kind of magic, you know, in the work they do. And they have this information that is not in a book. It's not at a school. It's not online. Right. Like you have to sit right next to them and watch to understand what they do. And And so much might be feel, it might be plaster work. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, some of it is, it looks effortless because they're professionals. Like, they're good yeah. at what they do. And they have all this history behind them. I mean, I feel like w- one of the crafts that is really, I don't know who's going to come up and do, like, window treatments. We love window treatments and use them in all of our projects. If you look online, yeah. you know, it just brings so much to a space. And there's a real skill to understanding it's just like tailoring clothing right. and understanding how fabric is going to drape and what has to be lined and what has to be interlined and when you need to block the light so it doesn't cause your this fabric. Is right in my wheelhouse. This whole are you feeling it? Conversa- yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah, but there, there's one thing that I was thinking about with drapes, and I am interested because the uh, what I you do so much custom things in your homes. Yeah, we do which, a lot, which speaks to your clientele and the and the investment your clients are putting into their homes or resident, you know, their businesses or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. So you are able to do some custom things mm-hmm. that are completely outside the box or like inspired by some other element in the design or architecture, and you can just call those out because you can do that which is a huge luxury it is a luxury you know you're yeah. not going to put custom treatments in a you know a new downtown um you know studio condo you might well you might i might <laughs> not not the college kid who just graduated you no know, you're not going to have them in a dorm yeah yeah but to, to that extent i mean the material so we're talking about real materials real artists mm-hmm. artistry within those trades mm-hmm. that is in danger I think it is. I think people, so I, I see that there's this really cool kind of cultural movement with food. We've ta- yeah. I've talked to, and, and with food, it feels as if somehow that, I don't know if I should even call it an industry, but that field or that, that chefs and people who source food and who make cheese and who raise cows, somehow they've managed to create a new narrative in the last decade or two, you know, about food and how special it is Mm -hmm. and how important it is and how the ingredients matter and they've elevated it so people young people are interested in making cheese right young people are interested in raising chickens yeah you know they're interested in making ice cream yeah or they're working with like to bring it to your trade they might be doing upholstery or they're they're not well they're not the, the kids aren't is what you're saying that's what i'm saying yeah that our industry has not managed... So it's more threatened than these other because people kind of get excited about food in those traditions, and it seems to be... We need more, to do that. Yeah, yeah. As, de- as in a design industry... Yes. How are you fostering this passion with the young kids to reinterpret and find their own voice with whatever trade 
Yes. There are a lot of parallels, and I think it's happening with furniture, Mm -hmm. and I think it's happening with some elements, but there are people who make lampshades, you know, beautiful custom lampshades. Right. How many people in their 20s are interested in that? You know, I mean, that's... In making them, you're saying. Yes, and it, it sounds ridiculous, but there's... There's a whole field of talent and expertise like upholstery and window treatment fabrication and wallpaper installation and custom finishes on furnishings. These traditional arts and crafts that I think are untapped, kind of like the cheese and the ice cream and the artisanal salt, you know? Well, the other part of that that you've talked about um, in the past that I remember from these other conversations we have is that, that it requires a significant investment at, over generations by the client to, say, value that because it does cost more. And it's not doesn't play into your thinking about those investments and creating legacies around objects in the people's homes, uh, functional objects. But... The other side is to go to the other side where to this McDonaldized sort of products that are mass made in China and other places and they cost what they cost. You can go to IKEA or whatever, it's cheap. And oh. there's that thing. And so yes. it's a throwaway culture versus a sustainable traditional legacy furniture, all kinds of things. Yes. So yes, that is a really good point. And that's the home Marie Kondo, HGTV, let's do a room in a 10 days thing. I have a real, I take a lot of, a lot of that to heart. And I have a lot of issues with that. Like yeah. the, the idea that we should do a room. I understand that there's a, there is a place for that and that accessibility is important. But there are times when if you make an investment in a piece and you build a collection over time, you keep all that stuff. You keep it. Yeah. You don't throw away the end table and the lamp. How about this? How about don't get the lamp yet? Get a really solid table. Right. You know, and how about you wait and you find a really killer lamp that costs a little more and you keep the lamp. Yeah, it's about that those shows create this impatience. Like I'm going to go out on a Saturday and I'm going to go to Ikea and yeah. a few other places in Bed Bath & Beyond and I'm going to have four rooms of my house done in, you know, a 10-hour day. Presto. Done. Yeah, presto. That's a great word. You like that? So well, as a bad negative, yeah. I mean, it's like that mindset is bad to like have a presto about a place you're going to spend a third of your life in or more. It's like the microwave room. And then is that really good for you? Is that really nutritious? <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I honestly believe that if you... I did heat up your water in a microwave well, earlier. Well, it tastes good. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that when you collect things over time and you leave space for a room to evolve, that it is better. It's better, and you like your stuff longer, and you don't want to get rid of everything and replace everything. Right. And how about reupholster the chair instead of throwing it out? Yeah. I mean, there, again, there's a, a layer of stuff that should rotate, right. you know, but you don't... You don't um, I don't know. I just think investing differently yeah. is something that we could be looking at, too. And it's hard because all the, all the cultural currents, visually, media streams and all that, is, is counterintuitive to what you just described. So the long-term value is finding you know, a good fit with your clients who sort of understand that or trust you around that. And yeah. Say, and that's the other thing is I, I've done... Uh, the other thing, I'm, this is a compliment, Thanks. is I will see you... Years after working with the same client, or I'll end up shooting, for some reason, I'll be shooting a home that you designed 
five years ago, but for some reason I'm in this home shooting something that's unrelated to documenting your work. Oh, yeah. And you will come, unbeknownst to me, to kind of like shudge some things up, make sure it looks good. Like you have such an ongoing, long relationships in clients that's very special and different. Yes. Usually like design my house, thank you. They would never think to call you, uh, their other, you know, an interior designer mm-hmm. to help them because they want the room to look good because there's some other type of photo shoot going on. Well, we don't do Presto. We don't do Presto. Yeah. We try to really, what, what I think t- bonds um, the designer to the client really is that understanding it's a relationship based on editing. If you can help your client discover their own aesthetic, their own voice, through a lot of inquiry, observation, reflection, like you say, to, you tell your client, you know what? You've looked at that three times and second-guessed yourself. How about we use it? Like, you, you keep going back to that. Let's just work around it. It doesn't matter if you can't find it on Pals. Right. It resonates with you. And when you do that and you design a space and your clients see themselves so like authentically designed into the space and they didn't follow these leads that they thought they were supposed to be following and they followed their authentic path and you're just there kind of pushing them along and um, editing and yeah. saying, no, 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 don't, that, that, that would be a mistake. Yeah. You know, that's my job. Yeah, you'll pull them back from over the edge, but, like, yeah. but they have instincts too that are meaning something that might not be rooted in, you know, platforms and, and pillars of design theory. But they are going to live there. Yeah, exactly. So, so like that is the really, I think that is when, when you're successful at that, then you're, why would they go and why are they going to work with somebody else? Right. Like we've just made this investment. We got this. Yeah. And then you've you got to go do another project because it's so fun. <laughs> it is. Well, here's a segue. Mm-hmm. It's been really fun talking to you today. Thanks, Brian. This was our project. This was our project. Photo shoot and a conversation. Well, I can't wait to talk to you again down the road. I'm, I know we will chat again. Um, was there any I, uh, final thoughts? Was there anything you thought you would talk about? It's not like I have a big track record as a podcaster, but just would, Marie Kondo. I thought we'd talk about her more. Yeah, that was the only trash her. She's. We're going to cancel her. Start a letter writing campaign to Netflix. Her her um, stuff shaming show. <laughs> I think she's adorable and sweet, but I think people are throwing away too many things out of just guilt and... Or just for the sake of having something new. Yeah. So I just think you got to like reassess, reevaluate, collect more thoughtfully and don't just pitch everything, you know? I love it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That wasn't uh, a good way. um, What's the best way to reach you? Um, You know, your website. What's your website URL? CatherineChaplow.com. Really, and you are a first last name dot comer. Is that lame? No, it's amazing. Is it? I'm Maybe a dot netter. You're a dot I'm netter. Such a low on the totem pole. Yeah, dot net. Don't get me started because I already am a ball of insecurity, and if you start picking on my domain, it's over. You're I can't so deal much with cooler than me, Brian. No, I can <laughs> only try. You have a dot com domain. I do, but I mean, Conduit Studios helped us figure all that stuff out. There's no other Catherine Chaplow. You know, that's a weird combo. That's true. So it was easy to get. Yeah, out of your freakishness, that was available. (laughs) So that's good. Presto. (laughs) Presto, there it was, and I bought it for $9. For $9, (laughs) yes. 
Thanks, buddy. Thank you. It was really Talk fun. I enjoyed it. All right. And presto, just like that, this episode has come to a conclusion. That was fun with Catherine. I think you can tell she oozes kindness. She oozes desire and passion for her field and for her clients. And she's just cool. So go to katherinechaplow.com. See her residential and commercial designs. They're absolutely spectacular. And um, if anything, it's amazing eye candy to see what, uh, what she comes up with. Hey, continue to share the podcast. Um, tell a friend about it. Follow us on Facebook at uh, just search for Full Exposure with Brian Kelly. Same thing on Instagram. We're at Full Exposure Podcast. We'll see you next time on Full Exposure with Brian Kelly. Get out there, guys. Kill it. It's yours for the taking. What other inspirational quotes can I come up with? Just go get it, everybody, and have fun doing it, all right? Take care. Take care.